Nothing. A projector. A laptop. They're both controlled by payphone. It's tapping into Link's computer. The octopus? It figured it out. It's broken into her research. What is this? What do you need all this data for? strange highways <clears throat> as I'm getting choked up here. Oh my goodness. That was wonderful. My name is Paul and somewhere out there in the darkness. You have found Terry. Yes. Um, yeah, I just, I guess I was just start coughing and there the intro. So I apologize. I'm just so choked up. It's, I saw Terry last week and it was magnificent. We were in the same room uh, and now he's like just gone again, you know? So um, I'm, I'm going to be like Orlando Bloom in the Pirates of the Caribbean films where like I can only see you like once every 70 years or something, you know, so um, not really. But, you know, it's it's still sad. Yeah, hopefully you don't come back with like barnacles on you or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would no, no, that would not. I mean, if I came back looking like Orlando Bloom, I think that that would be an improvement. Even if it was Orlando Bloom with a couple barnacles, I still think that'd be an improvement. I take that. Um, but yeah, look at, look at us tying this already to things in the water and see, see monsters. Perfect. 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 Hope you guys enjoyed our conversation last week about, um, Oh, among the untrodden, uh, as, uh, I have to point out that I uh, posted a wrong title of the episode initially. Um, and uh, a listener pointed it out and you know, I'm glad that they did because it hadn't had, they not pointed out, I would have forever been called a different title. So uh, we'll, I'll give a uh, listener, uh, Antoinette Smith, uh, props for correcting me because now, now you're part of the, the club of where you, know, you called up Paul's mistake. That's, you know, every, it's an easy club to join. So congratulations. So, um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. That was a fun talk. Uh, yeah. And now we're going on to, we're now in the back half of season two of the Jordan Peele Twilight Zone. We've already done five. We've got five to go here. Uh, this is uh, season two, episode six, eight. That's going to keep bugging me no matter what. Um, I'm gonna like you think if, if I get this title wrong when I upload the episode, then there's problems. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you have any uh, just cause to do so. <laughs> I, I just wish that they would have aligned it where it would have been like episode eight, title eight, or or played with it and be like episode eight. And the title's nine. I don't know. They could have done something, something a little different here. Yeah. Uh, but it's just the number eight. Uh, it is directed by, it's actually directed by two people, uh, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. Um, 
I did a little looking into what they did. Uh, there, there's a film that came out two years ago called, sorry, three years now called the endless that I wanted to see. I think it's on Netflix right now. Another film that they both did called spring from 2014. That sounded like a cool monster movie, um, that was playing in like the indie theaters and I missed it. Uh, I think it's on, um, Amazon prime. I've been wanting to see that since, since it was, you know, first came out and then clearly it's been six years. I, you know, what have I been doing? Uh, and then they also did a segment on VHS viral um, called Bone Storm, which I I've seen the first two VHS movies. I couldn't. We started to watch this one and just it didn't hook me, and I didn't watch it. I don't know if you've seen that one or not. I've seen the first one, and that was pretty cool. Um, but I've heard very mixed reviews on the second, and then like nothing but bad reviews about the third one. So, I mean. <laughs> yeah, it's not really uh, on my list to do, you know. That's that's fair. So, uh, so Aaron Moorhead, uh, you know, is the co-director on um, the, the 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 things we've talked about, but he's also the cinematographer. So on on most of these projects, so these guys have been working together um, for most of the things they do, and I think that's kind of kind of awesome that they're also given an opportunity to to do this episode. I didn't, I didn't actually check the notes to see if um, Aaron Moorhead did the cinematography here. I'm going to guess he didn't. Cause I feel like um, that there's pretty much a, uh, a set cinematographer, I think probably for the TV show. Cause it all still has the similar look to it. You know, like there's a tone in terms of way it's the uh, way it's approached. So I don't know. I don't know how that works. I probably should look that up. And he, he did not work on this one um, as cinematographer. Uh, but he has done uh, something more recently. Um, but yeah, he he's done a lot of cinematography. Um, one of the more notable things I've seen out of here that looks interesting is Straight Out of Oz. That sounds interesting. I don't know. I want to I want to check this out. <laughs> it's like mixing the story of Wizard of Oz with uh, with the story of beliefs and modified musical remake of the of the of the musical. I mean, it's but it has like relevant tones and uh, it's about gay rights and uh police brutality so kind of interesting i, I want to see that i want to get interesting. into that weird world um, yeah that that sounds that sounds kind of interesting You're right so uh this was written by glenn morgan um he has written uh three other episodes of the the first season uh of the the, the new twilight zone he did um a traveler six degrees of freedom and the blue scorpion uh uh, Terry, you probably know Glenn Morgan best for he he wrote a lot of episodes of the X Files in the original series and then the revival. I think we've talked about his episode Squeeze previously with the weird guy that could uh, squeeze through like the chimneys and was eating all the livers. Um, that was Glenn Morgan's uh, written episode that he did, and that's a, that's a real creepy early season X Files episode that I, I like a great deal. Yeah, uh, he, this guy needs to take a psychiatric evaluation because that is a creepy ass story. Yes, <laughs> there are people that write that kind of stuff. I really want to dive into their brain because I that they have to have nightmares constantly because I do about that kind of stuff. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Please. I'm sorry. What was uh, I was going to say? I, I knew uh, I knew of his work otherwise too. For, um, he wrote the screenplays for Final Destination, uh, Willard, and the the remake of uh, black Christmas, uh, the one that came out about six or seven years ago or whatever it was, they were titling it black Xmas. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, the funny thing is with the, with the final destination, if you go back and watch that first film, uh, there is kind of a part of the movie in which two FBI agents show up to investigate what's going on. Uh, you can tell that this was uh, originally an idea for an X-Files episode that got uh, pushed out the feature length. So I think that's kind of fun that you could kind of see it's wearing the X-Files clothes in that movie. Uh, and he also did uh, 15 episodes of Millennium. That was kind of the spinoff of the X-Files with Lance Hendrickson. Uh, yeah, it, so established writer of sci-fi and, and horror and other things. Um, I, so far, my favorite one of his, uh, of everything I've seen of his in the Twilight Zone is the Blue Scorpion. Um, that was just a fun episode. Uh, but yeah, like I, the moment I was like, oh, look at this Arctic station, uh, octopus, weird stuff, Glenn Morgan, I'm in. I was excited for this. Um, well, we'll see how I feel about it at the end of this episode. But, you know, the DNA was there. And I guess that's not a pun or, you know, like maybe it is a pun. I don't know. Uh, there was a there was a lot of good uh, people heading into this that gave me hope when I saw like what was involved. I do have to give Glenn Morgan one big one more big shout out, and uh, some of our fans may appreciate this. He was also the producer on uh, Trick or Treat, the the nineteen eighty six film with uh, Ozzy Osbourne in it. Um, did you ever see that? I need to. I, I just I think I've seen it playing in the background at a couple parties we've been to, but I never actually got to sit down and watch it. It sounds like a lot of fun. It is. It's it's awesome. Uh, Rockstar dies. Um, one of his biggest fans ends up getting a hold of his last album recording and it it's spun backwards and it invokes uh the dead rock star and makes him start doing crazy crazy shit around town so real fun movie super b but it's a lot of fun i'm i'm in that sounds like a lot of fun so yeah that's that's your your writer and your directors um and uh, there's some connections as well here with the cast in regards to the directors and the writer um yeah, uh, Terry, take it away. The, the, the cast is so big here. Uh, you know, we, it's going to take a while. Okay, so first and foremost, we have Joel McHale. He plays Orson Rudd. Um, so a lot of people would know him from uh, Talk Soup, or The Soup, rather. Um, and and uh, he did 111 episodes of Community as well. I, I, I hate to say this, but I, I really haven't watched anything, but you, his face is so recognizable because he's done award shows as well. He's done uh, spots on like the Late Late Show, um, the Late Show with Craig Ferguson. Uh, he's he's like all over the place, man. Like this dude, I don't know if he sleeps or not. <laughs> yeah, I love Joel McHale. Uh, yeah, he was a uh, Jeff Winger in Community. A, a great role for him there. Um, he, uh, you mentioned the soup. Uh, the, he had that Netflix series that only like lasted like a season and a half called the, the Joel McHale Show with Joel McHale. It's really funny. Like it's basically the soup, but uh, you know it's Netflixed up, so it's it's really entertaining. Um, I got to see him do stand up comedy about two years ago uh, here in, in Cleveland, and he he was just just really entertaining. Like I, I love Joel McHale and um, he's a funny guy, but I'm, gl and I'm glad that he is also picking projects that aren't, you know, strict comedy. Cause he, he has, he has a certain like um, presence that, you know, he, it, he worked well in this episode and I was glad to see him in a non-comedic role, but I love Joel McHale. Yeah, he's a funny guy for uh, for everything else I I know him from. I don't I just don't know his like sitcoms and and the things that he's appeared in as far as those. Uh he does the voice work as well. 
Um, he was in like Santa Clara, a uh, clear Kalita diet, um, for a few episodes, four episodes of the X-Files, the, the newer rendition. Um, but yeah, he's been all over the place, man. He's, he's nonstop. So it's good to see him in this. Um, and then next we have Nadia Hiker. Uh, she plays Channing Corp, right? Is that Corp? I think it's Carp. Channing Carp. I, the names in this episode are weird. So yeah, good yeah. luck. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so the, the things I, I would have known her from, uh, the 17 episodes, I think, or uh, 12 episodes, 12 episodes of the hundred and then 26 episodes of walking dead. Yeah. Um, and she's in the film spring that was directed by the gentleman who directed this movie. So clearly they have a working relationship with her and, um, and she's German, which I mean, not that that should surprise me, but it's like, you know, it's always amazing to me when you have people that, um, you know, where they're born and raised, uh, their accent, like when they, when they put on like, you know, an American accent, like you can't tell always blows my mind, especially, you know, either way, whenever it's like that person can't be from, from Germany. Yeah. She's German. Hmm. Uh, and, uh, to correct myself, it was seven episodes of the hundred. I'm sorry. I, my, I wrote my notes and now I'm looking back at IMDb and I'm like, I write like child. Um, don't so, worry. I think IMDb um, is uh, updated by children. We're going to get to that in a minute. Yeah. So, uh, next we have, uh, Michelle Ang. Uh, she plays, and this is where I'm confused because I've never heard this name in the episode, but IMDb has her as Ling. Yeah. Is that wrong? No, it's, that, no her <laughs> name is Ling. It's just that some of the dialogue is so fast in this and things start getting shouty real early that some of the names get kind of lost. So I, I believe it is Ling. Okay. So she, uh, she was born in New Zealand. So I think that some of the stuff that is in her IMDb is actually from the New Zealand area. Um, like she was in 143 episodes of a show called the tribe. Um, I looked up it's post-apocalyptic. It sounds pretty cool, but I've never heard of it. Hmm. So it, it's kind of weird to have a show run that long and never heard like a damn thing about it. But it, like I said, it has a pretty good synopsis and then, uh, 88 episodes of neighbors. Again, I think this is probably from her native land. That's an Australian like like um, soap opera or something, I think, because I think the Hemsworths have been in that, too. So I think that's kind of like one of those shows that like people on the way up end up in. OK, well, yeah, that might that might be uh, correct, because, again, like I'm surprised that I've never even heard of it if that was that long of a running show. And then um, otherwise, uh, Fear of the Walking Dead, she was in as well. But there was also like an offshoot of The Walking Dead that. I never even heard of this one. It was called fear of the walking dead flight 462. It was in 16 episodes of that. Was, was that a thing here in the States? I don't, it, I've never even heard a, of that. It was like a web web series, I believe. So it's probably not oh, okay. that long, but I mean, I guess if you put all 16 pieces together, right. So, um, yeah, I think it was something working like tangentially with fear of the walking dead. Okay. So, um, so that's all I had for her. I don't know if you had any more notes for her. There's a horror movie she's in called the taking of Deborah Logan that I always see the, the uh, cover art for on Netflix and it's always creepy looking. So I, maybe people have seen it. You know, I, when you talk about, it's funny when you mentioned like these shows have run forever. Why haven't I heard of them? Especially now with every streaming service, like starred for content. I'm surprised because there's a lot of other other country imports showing up on like Netflix and Hulu where it's like new episodes. I'm like, I've never heard of this before. So, yeah, that's surprising, especially like a post-apocalyptic long running series. You think that would be a you know Netflix exclusive in the U.S. or something. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm going to hunt it down, though. I mean, the fact that it has that kind of a premise and it had ran that long, it's got to have it's got to have a good story to it, at least for, for at least uh, uh, 10 episodes. Um, so next uh, we have Tim Armstrong. So Tim Armstrong played Larry in this episode. Um, so as far as acting, um, didn't really know much from him. Uh, he was in an uh, episode of X-Files. But I think that the majority of people would know him from his music career. He is the lead singer of the band Rancid. So did you did you crack up seeing him in the episode or did you like automatically recognize him? Um, I didn't. I, I, I like I'm I, not I'm not a big like I'm not a big like punk guy. It's surprising nobody. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's funny because I sat there and I'm like, I've seen this dude before. I just don't know where. Tim Armstrong has adapted a very different look than when Rancid became like really relevant. I saw them. Uh, I saw them last year at the Agora. He has a gigantic beard now and a bald head, so he looks more like Carrie King than he does uh, a punk a punk rocker. You know, <laughs> it's like it was. So I just t- it took me a moment. I was like Tim Armstrong. How do I know this? And then it finally connected as soon as I was looking at the IMBD. IMBD. I was like. You're an idiot, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, like, like the name Tim Armstrong sounds very so unassuming. That would be one of those things that you'd probably be like I, that name. That just sounds like an every person name, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, when I realized like he was like the, the lead singer of Rancid, and I went into a little bit of reading about the stuff that he, he's in. Clearly, the guy, you know, is very important in, in the music world for what he's done. Uh, it, it just, I just, you know, it's one of those things that I. I I should have popped, you know, like to use the wrestling term when this guy showed up, but I just didn't know who he was. And that's a bummer. I was more excited for Joel McHale. Um, but he was in one episode of the X-Files. It was one that uh, Glenn Morgan wrote and directed. So there you go. Just want to throw that out there. And also there's a song that's played in um, the episode Six Degrees of Freedom that was written by uh, Glenn Morgan. The song's called Family, I think, that the whole crew of uh, the ship sings before they launch. And I, I guess it's it's one of his songs, so you could tell Glenn Morgan's a fan. Yeah, uh, family. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I see that here now too. Uh, the only other acting credit that might be fun to talk about for a, a brief second is uh, he was in an episode of Yo Gabba Gabba. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that, that, that's great. Do you well, you know Iggy Pop was in the Adventures of Pete and Pete, right? Did you know that? No. No, yeah. he, awesome. he was one of the, he was one of the, like, there was the one girl that one of the Pete's really liked and he was her father and he was actually pretty straight laced, but it was Iggy pop. That's awesome. I, I did not know that. I, he does play in a lot of weird shit. So I do like Iggy pop. I, I, I don't know if he's as good of an actor as he is a singer, but well, it's, no, it's that, fun to see. I like stuff. the idea of like these, like, you know, punk pioneers are just like, you know what, we're going to do some acting and then I'll be in some children's shows. Like <laughs> that's the most punk thing ever. I, I, you know, it's like, it's, it, it's like really, it's sweet to see like these old school, like hard, hard punk rock, like guys like Henry Rollins, Iggy pop, uh, you know, they all like played in movies and separate roles and stuff like that. And it's like, why, why, why go from punk rock, which is so against the grain and, you know, anti everything. And then you're like, yeah, I'll be in a, a chase movie with, uh, you know, with um, what the hell was his name? Oh, Charlie Sheen. I was like, OK, Henry Rollins, you're so punk rock. 
Yeah, uh, I think Henry Rollins is also in um, Johnny Mnemonic, right? Like, I think he was in that. Um, so yeah. Anyway, it's just there's this whole this, I, there's like this weird like like unspoken rule of like, oh, were you were you you a established punk rocker? Have you tried TV and movies? There might be a way in. It it's seems a- like that is the gateway drug. <laughs> I mean, we talked about um, the lead singer from Fear being in um, uh, uh, what was it? Nightmares. Yeah. You know, so it's like maybe they're just following these weird footsteps that he 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 had taken. Yeah. But um, so I mean, like Alice Cooper was in Wayne's World. I'm, that's not really the same thing. But yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> that was my joke leaving oh. town. I don't know if you guys heard that. That's what. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. I'm out of here. Uh, so next, uh, we have uh, Brandon J. Uh, McLaurin. Uh, he plays French. Frisch. Yeah, I mean, really. I mean, he's he's the diver, the other the diver that lives, right? He's the dude. Um, I, I I never heard him recalled called as Frisch the entire time, but I kept hearing him called as um, what was it? Uh, he had a, I think he had a different name in the episode. Yannick. I think that's what they call it. Yeah. Am I, am yeah, I wrong it. about that? I think they kept calling him Yannick, but IMDb lists him as a uh, Frisch. I don't get it. I, I, neither do I, I'd never heard him called that. So every time that they were calling out the other name, I was like, all right, so who the hell are they talking to now? Because yeah. this was again, like with uh Michelle Ang, they were calling. I, I don't remember hearing Lynn Ling, but you, you did. I, I'm like, whatever i'm confused i'm lost in this entire episode but so yeah so um uh brandon uh we have known him from 12 episodes of the killing which i still need to watch i heard it was amazing um 38 episodes of power rangers spd (laughs) it i don't i've never seen it but you know whatever and then um the most notable and I, I got a little – I had a smile on my face as soon as I saw this dude in the episode because I recognized him right away. He was in Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yes, that's the only note I had for him. I was like, Tucker and Dale. Yes. So, yeah, um, he uh, he was he was good in this episode. I liked him. Um, uh, he's been in a lot of stuff, man. He's still a working actor. Uh, uh, it's good to see. He's got some good chops to him. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was good to see him in this episode. So. But next we have Michael. You're going to have to help me with this. I think it's Adam Thwaite. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, we'll go with that. Um, So he plays Jasper in this or Casper. I'm sorry. Casper with a K. Um, He plays. So he plays dead guy. That's what he plays in this episode. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because he does so much voice acting and (laughs) cartoons and stuff. I'm like, we didn't even get to hear like a real word from him. We heard muffled like, it's so I don't know. It I was, think that might be a sad. joke. I think that might be like an inside joke of like, hey, we, you're, you're known for voice work. Do you want to get killed off within three seconds and then hang out as a dead body? There has to be a joke there, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm still searching for it. But uh, d- he has a huge IMDb. I mean, yeah. he's on a ton of cartoons, um, anime. I mean, this dude is all over the place. He's... Um, the most notable things that I would know him from, though, is um, he was he was an actor in um, Black Christmas, the 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 Black Xmas remake, rather. Okay. He plays Santa Claus in that, um, and two episodes of the the uh, Exorcist. Okay, so I actually have him here. He was in the three episodes of the the new Are You Afraid of the Dark reboot um, that just came out. 
Uh, he, no, no one will care about this but me, but he played uh, King Magni in the Warcraft film that came out a couple years ago. Um, and then also, I know you just mentioned Black Xmas, but that's not, that. I don't think that counts towards our streak of holiday films, like Christmas films people are in. Uh, 2015, Bob's Broken Sleigh, he voiced somebody in that. So there you go. Another holiday film that we've now found a connection for in this Twilight Zone season. I'm going to go with my Black Xmas. Okay. okay. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Damn it. Uh, horror uh, Christmas movies are still Christmas movies. Damn it. <laughs> no, you know what? You're right. You're right. But I just think that finding something specifically you know, like Christmas for family, I think is the theme of running through all this. So, um, yeah. And so the last person we have on the list here, I'm just going to mention because uh, it says Lisa Chandler as Amy. No, I'm sorry. It says, uh, Amy as Lisa Chandler, right? Is that what the credit says on IMDb? Um, yeah, yeah. Because in the episode, they're like, where's Amy at? I, I, I swear to God that somebody, flipped the actor's actor name and their character name because they only have one crowd on IMDb. Yeah, I, I think you're right on that one because I kept on listening and I don't think as a writer that you would create two names of characters in an episode that are almost similar. So there's channeling or Channing and then Chadler. Like yeah. I don't I don't think you would do that as a writer. No, no. Especially with one where you know, it's, it's such a short running time and people get killed real fast. Yeah. I don't think you'd want to do that. So yeah, that's, um, that's our, our, it's our cast, our crew, um, all this stuff. So let's, uh, let, let Mr. Peel in a nice fur line jacket, uh, take it away. At the bottom of the world, a group of scientists is about to encounter an entity of vast intelligence. What they're about to learn will go further and deeper than anything they hoped to learn. Beyond science, beyond fear, beyond humanity, in the Twilight Zone. So I, we we did not talk about this before we start recording. Um, do you, like uh, it, I don't this you you mentioned it during cast and crew about like I had a hard time hearing things like people's names and things. Um, is this is this like the most convoluted? show that really didn't need to be convoluted for what was going on or is that just me no i i i so i agree with that part and the fact that the runtime is so short compared to the other episodes that we have it, it kind of pissed me off i'm like we need a little bit more time to explain certain things to give this more um like air to breathe i thought yeah, I mean, this thing's like 31 minutes, which is one of the shorter runs of the season. And I know I've been the person that's been the champion of the shorter run times because I think if you narrow your focus, um, you can usually get good, like better quality and not let things get like overly long and overstay its welcome. Um, so I, 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 I hesitate to really try to dig into this one because like it, it, it I could tell you the plot in two sentences and it's like, cool, that's it. And, I think we're so far. Um, I know we normally go through story by like beat by beat and people, you know, like if they have not watched the episode, you know, they could follow along like somewhat, even though I'm not the best uh, storyteller. Uh, the first five episodes have had a lot to chew on and a lot of things to consider. I think the idea of what the end of this episode is, is kind of interesting, but I, I don't understand 
what happened here because I, you know, the cast is good. Uh, the idea is kind of interesting. Uh, Arctic station with monster. You, I'm in, you know, but my God, this was kind of, um, it just felt like someone was like scribbling on the back of a napkin of like, and then this happens and this happens Just shoot it. It's fine. Just fine. The names won't make sense anyway. Just do it. Yeah, I perhaps, uh, I don't know why it needed to be this way where they gave it such a short runtime as well. If they wanted to jam as much information into it, it seemed like we needed more, I don't know, time to digest that information as well. Because, you know, there's like, I don't know, double crossing going on in this. Alien, or, or, their talk of like, uh, uh, you know, changing the DNA. Then you have people going kind of stir crazy. Uh, killer a killer sea creature and then like people just not feeling i don't know comfortable being around the damn octopus so i mean there's there's a lot of fun things going on in here and they're all derived from something that i think we both adore which is sci-fi and monsters but when we got this story and how it was told it just melt made me feel I don't know, like, uh, like take your panties off. We're getting to it. And now we got to get out, you know, like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, I, guess, I mean, that's, that's, that's a, a great way to describe it. I guess, uh, Oh, it's over. And I wasn't satisfied. All right. Well, here's some bus fare. Like what, like this, like what happened? Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. It was, it's was like, like so rushed. And it's like, God. it didn't need to be like this. I mean, why, why were we giving 41 minutes to the episode before this? I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And we get 31 minutes and it seems like there is more, more information to process. Yeah, At least that's what was presented to us. And the thing, it kind of, okay, so uh, if people, um, I still think even like it, it's worthy of a watch. It's a fun. It's it's a quick thirty one minutes. It may not make a whole lot of sense at times, but you get some good. Um, there's some good uh, gross out stuff. We'll talk more about that in a minute, I'm sure, because that's the parts of the episode I like best. Um, but it, it's like you have this Arctic station that's supposed to be studying the thinning, you know, um, ice shelves because it's causing the water levels to rise and the temperature to rise a little bit. So that means the potential for sea life that we've not seen is coming closer to the surface. And that's a decent enough jumping off point that these people are here studying that. Uh, but then from the get go, um, you know, that like things aren't on the level that there's other ulterior motives. And then suddenly uh, one of the divers gets killed in a spray of blood. That is amazing. Um, and then uh, an octopus uh, we don't see it to begin with ends up in a cooler by choice to be taken into the lab to be studied. And it turns out that the octopus that's smart enough to come up from the Arctic and kill somebody. Um, it wanted to be in the lab who, who saw that coming, you know? And so it's, it's just, there's some fun stuff there, but then you mentioned the double crossing. I don't know why that was even in this episode, at least in terms of uh, Joel McHale's character of Orson Rudd and Channing Carp, uh, Nadia, uh, you know, uh, Hil- Hilker. Um, I, why, why did they need to be um, like secretive about why they're there? Why, why was that important to the story? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Cause they wanted to do something that had to do specifically with the breed of octopus that they had been looking for for some time like it was talked about they knew it possibly was in the area so that was their angle 
Well, yeah, um, but I guess my point is like this is all under the guise of like this Whipple research station. And it's like, so it's supposed to be like the scientific thing. I don't know why that's important whenever you could have had um, whatever evil corporation Inc be a private outpost, you know, like you could already have been like, this is why we're here. Uh, and you, I don't know. It just seems like if that was, it was already on the table and that was their goal. Then I think when you get to what was going on, that would feel like a better, uh, a better twist of the knife is that they're specifically there to take, um, because they know what they're looking for and they they don't view the species as, as equal and, or, um, their superior, you know? I yeah. Know. And I, I have to, I have to point this out before I, I lose this train of thought. Did you notice what the logo and like the the backstory of what these guys are trying to do, what that kind of like links back to? No. Whalen. Well, yeah, I mean, you're thinking of like Whalen Utani from like the uh alien stuff, right? Like from the aliens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I could get that cuz they're trying to, you know, they're trying to take this DNA and uh, of this particular octopus that did it for all the things they talked about it being you other than it being super smart and a bit of a dick you didn't and well also the camouflage thing which was cool and we'll again we'll talk more about that moment that was actually a fun moment um you didn't really see like it's like it, they, they told you what its skin was made of it told you what it was it's like i don't know could you made the octopus look a little different than like an octopus that seemed like a missed opportunity to me yeah, definitely. Um, like give it glasses like or something, a, glasses or like a Hitler mustache or something. I don't know. Something to show me that this octopus is different than any other octopus. Maybe a mohawk. Yes. Uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> Foreshadowing. Um, but yeah, uh, so I, I mean, I, I see them doing their 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 corporate angle. But then as we'll get to in a little bit, there's another corporate angle that they didn't know about. Like it's the double crossing. It's like, okay, I, so it exists. I don't know if it's really much to give us, um, as far as the rest of the story and how we feel about that double crossing. Like it didn't make me feel any better or worse about how my perception of the episode was towards the end. It just, I don't know if like but, you mentioned like, uh, Yutani, uh, or, or Waylon, uh, you know, like for aliens, it's like, oh, it's this, it's the corporation. They're looking for the specimen. And it's like, oh, we found it. And then you find out like, like Ling is like working on part of behalf of the Chinese government. And it's like, oh, so you're also wanting to use it for your own means. So you're, and even like Joel McHale's character is like, we're doing the same thing. I'm like, no shit. Like, great. Uh, I, congratulations. I don't know, man. It's something about like, it was trying to build this human angle, which I think so far this season of the twilight zone has done a great job of digging into the, you know, the, like the human side of things and making you think about stuff. And I'm not saying that this episode had to do that. The, the twilight zone could be just like, you know, ridiculous sci-fi concept in and out and have fun with it too. Um, I just don't know what this episode was trying to say. And, um, man, I sound like I'm bagging on it. It was, it just, after, after the, um, the five we just watched where like, I've liked them all. Um, and I'm not saying that like, you know, that the, the bar sets so high because of those five, it's just that I thought that they had kind of find, found this nice, um, consistency. So I guess it's like, I was expecting the back five to also be consistent. And this one just kind of smacks you in the face. Yeah. I, I mean, I felt like the, 
at some point we were going to, I don't know, get derailed a little bit by one of the stories and not feel a hundred percent about it. But when you had as solid of stories as we've had up to this point, I, you know, it's, even if you're not holding it side by side, I, I really wasn't a hundred percent sold on this episode. But when you do something like that and you do compare it, this one is lackluster in comparison. Yeah. So, so that's, if, if I would have told you at the beginning before we even got to the season, I'd be like, Terry, there's going to be back-to-back episodes. One of them is going to be an all-girls school where two girls are figuring out psychic powers, and there's going to be one that's on an Arctic station with a monster. Which one are you looking forward to? Like, you know? A monster. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why we're friends. Uh, so it's just, it just it's bewildering to me because Joel McHale gives a, a good performance. He's very straight-faced. I liked it. Um, like there, there really isn't a bad performance in the episode. Tim Armstrong is just like, I, you, they, they don't really ever specify what people's roles are either. You get the idea that he's kind of like the engineer guy in terms of like, just keeping, keeping the lights on and making sure everything's going. Okay. Because when he starts talking about his opinion about animals, it's like, he is not a science guy. Like, <laughs> like his immediate, like distrust of all nature or whatever. It's like, I don't know if he's the right person to have uh, at that outpost, just tossing it out there. No, I, I don't think he's going to win any Oscars any anytime soon either. So yeah. it, it, my wife was even like, who the hell is this guy? And what is he doing on a scientific base like that? And I was like, I, I don't know. Yeah. So, um, so we get to like, uh, they know, they, I mean, it's, it's pretty much known that, uh, this, this octopus killed the diver because as the suckers like marks on his face and everything. And, um, and, and then like the whole crew is immediately distrustful of this thing. It's like, yeah, I would be too, but it's also like, you're there studying animals and it's like an attack this guy and that sucks. And, and I guess it's right for them to believe like it's in a tank. And even, uh, Joel McHale's character was like, stay away from its beak and its tentacles and you'll be fine. That's a pretty, you know obvious statement until you know the octopus starts doing octopus things like um which it's funny that we talked about that episode squeeze of the x-files that glenn morgan wrote he must be obsessed with like shoving monsters through holes i think that's something else that might be his calling card yeah i i honestly i i I was thinking about that episode of the x-files when i saw the the part that you were alluding to and it, it is creepy what um invertebrates can do it is really really creepy <laughs> yeah because they can actually do that like they can like you have seen them run tests with like you know, you know octopi where it's like they give them different like mazes to get through and different things and yep they they will do it and it may take them a little while and like i even there was a video i saw of them catching an octopus in like a like a um, like a tuna net or whatever and it dropped mm-hmm. on the deck and it just found like this little tiny hole in the side of the ship and it was like out like it just forced itself out and was gone huge octopus terrifying to see i love that i love that video too i know what you're talking about the, my favorite i love octopus and i think they're amazing um i'm eventually going to get a tattoo of one there, i thought you were going to say you're going to get one i'm like okay that's i'm not coming to your house but that's cool yeah um I, there was a video i watched and they are super intelligent it grabbed it had a bottle with a fish inside the bottle and it was a cork on on the bottle it felt around the bottle for a moment and then found out that it could take off the cork 
took the cork off and then crawled inside the bottle and ate the fish. <laughs> it's amazing. So, well, but, yeah. So the thing where we have the, this octopus, which they named uh DD, which I guess uh, in the trivia is that uh, Tim Armstrong of the, the tanks that the animals were in, he named them all after members of the Ramones, which is not, was not in the script, but I think it's funny. Um, so it squirts water from its tank and takes out a light that causes some problems. Um, there, there was an octopus at the zoo. I meant to look up the story, but it was one that had been there for years and it was like this cranky octopus. It, 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 it would do that. And it would actually like uh juggle like rocks and was bored. Like it would do like crazy shit, but it actually did shoot a jet of water at a light to cause it to go out. Cause it was annoyed by the light. That's awesome. I, I was wondering, um, if they had just made that up, but cause I don't, I've never heard of a, an octopus being able to do that, but they're smart enough, man. They are super intelligent. Yeah. So, I mean, that stuff is fun. Uh, it coming out of the tank, like unloosening like the, the tube and everything is fun. It, uh, sneaking up on, um, uh, the, the Tim Armstrong's character. Uh, that was fun. Um, like, and that was actually that bit too, whenever that's whenever, um, oh, who was it? That's whenever, uh, Yannick, uh, comes in like seeing what's going on and he sees, uh, uh, I'm going to get all these names mixed up. I apologize. We're going to have Larry. That's Tim Armstrong's character off on the right side. And uh, Yannick looks over and sees the tank is empty. And then he goes to talk to Larry again. And the octopus, like, you know, uh, decloaks. <laughs> and he has his tentacles all through Larry's face. That's a cool image. I thought that was awesome. I I, I thought it was amazing. I was like, if it's not going to just choke him. It's going to take its tentacles and choke him from the inside it, I, that is so kick-ass when i saw that kill scene i was like yes jason octo <laughs> well then it gets even so better too because he slaps his uh, tentacle against uh, uh yannick's face and then uh, yannick's trying to pull the tentacle off his face and the eyeball comes out like i the the, the amount of sudden and immediate gore in those episodes it's great it's just like if you if you're here for the splatter and here for the show this this is a fun watch just I was not expecting that. Well, I guess after the first episode of the season when we saw, uh, you know, what's his name? Beat somebody with like a hammer. You know, I guess uh, all bets are off in regards to sudden and violent, you know, uh, gore happening. But this was this was really effective and it looked good. There was a, there was a part that um, that you kind of uh, skipped over, though. It grabs around his neck at first and um, Yannick has a, a knife and he was able to cut it off. Yeah. And he's like, ha ha, I got you. And all of a sudden the 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 tentacle that is cut off squeezes is even harder. <laughs> it's That's like, right. so these things are able to move independently still like zombie hands or whatever. I was like, that is awesome. So, but yeah, and then he rips his eyeball out with the little sucker guy. I'm like, that is so badass, man. Like this octopus is taking no prisoners, literally. <laughs> yeah. So then, you know, so it's, it's, uh, it has its own agenda. Uh, there's another convenient, uh, plot point of, uh, Channing constantly forgetting where her phone is, uh, because her phone actually is part, it has like a universal translator, um, app that she has an earpiece that she can communicate with Ling with because Ling speaks Chinese and they, then, you know, it becomes a thing where the moment that I, the moment I saw that earpiece is in play, I'm like, that's going to come into play later. Uh, and it does because Ling overhears everything and is and on like what they're doing. But then later, whenever uh, Chang's phone is missing because the octopus takes it and she says something and then she hears it. Uh, no, Ling says something like, like, uh, oh, my God. And Channing hears it from above 
that's a cool moment because she realizes the octopus has the phone and the earpiece or like at least the sorry the phone is on and translating and they know it's above them and they can't find it that's also a cool moment yeah it it's like the octopus is a slasher now like it's creeping around and it's doing slasher things so it's it was actually pretty badass that it was kind of stalking them yeah and so then like it just the whole thing is that we find out that which this is a fun idea. It just, it, it was kind of ham fisted is that you begin to realize that once, uh, the one half working for what's the name of the company is Troxel, which, you know, sure. I, I think, I think Spider-Man fought that villain once. Uh, and then, um, then you find the Chinese government both want this octopus for their own reasons because the genetic code, um, the, the, the flip is the octopus is getting the information, getting the research, about everything, including our, you know, our DNA and that it just, you know, it, it does like a, um, it does like a Looney Tunes beats feet and gets out of there. Like immediately once it gets what it needs and just then pops out and then it swims away knowing that the, the twist is, is that we're at this Arctic research station trying to, to find out information. And it's the one that goes on expedition to get information, uh, for its own means. It's a cool idea. It's just, man, like it just, it, it didn't, I didn't have enough time with anything to give a shit like you mentioned. So yeah, I wish there had been more mystery, more time spent with the thing in the tank, like giving you the notion that things aren't adding up. And it was so fast. And it didn't seem like they know how they knew how to tell the story throughout the rest of the episode. So they had to quickly put it all together in the last five minutes. They're like, so Joel McHale is telling telling the whole plot at that point <laughs> it's like oh okay so we have this guy narrating the entire episode of what we were supposed to get but they didn't know how to present it to us yeah, throughout the episode the octopus, it, was like, it has the projector on it basically it's like this powerpoint from hell and then the meanwhile it's going on joe mckill's like yeah well if you look at this piece of dna any point it's like stop giving a presentation go find the octopus you know you have one job now yeah, I, I I really didn't like how this one ended up. And I have to I have to beg the question. So it has the research. Yes, maybe it knows what the plan is, but how in the hell is the octopus able to implement any sort of plans from what it saw in their lab? So it just goes out amongst the millions of octopus that are out there on the on the seafloor and it's like omnipotent and he's like yes i have the power now and you can see like those weird colors and them start to glow and it's like but how does that change anything it didn't <laughs> so it's able to change its own dna dna because it read a report yeah it doesn't make I, any sense to me i i agree i think it's supposed to because you saw the way it was doing the sequencing on its own skin <laughs> and flashing it to every every other creature out there it's supposed to be implied that whatever intelligence that these things had like it's something that we can't comprehend. So I, you're right. It's not quite clear. It is, a, it's, it's a cool looking image of it. Like, you know, mission, mission accomplished. And here guys, I, I got the goods. Right. Um, but you know, it just isn't, it, it doesn't give us enough, you know, like, um, not, not to compare this, but it, 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 it directly is, you can't think about this, this movie, movie, this TV show without thinking about the thing. Right. And I know that's, one of your and my favorite movies of all time. Um, it, the monster there had an intelligence and it had an end goal of getting away, but they didn't, 
they didn't muddy the water too much, like in terms of trying to give it other things. Like, I mean, you know, no pun intended, but it was like, you could tell it was smart enough. You could tell it knew how to hide. You could tell it knows how to build a spaceship, but it wasn't like, it wasn't there going through like the research of like, I've been asleep for like 600 years. I'm going to read all these files. Like you never got that notion from that creature, you know, like it never gave, they never gave it more than what it was like, what it was intending to do. Right. And even the basic uh, things that it was trying to do, like it, 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 it's any other species would do it. It's trying to get to somewhere where it can find safety. And then that safety might imply that it will go to find other creatures that are similar to it and be in a, in a normal world again. Nothing wants to live in Antarctica. And I mean, unless it was already there for hundreds of years, this does that, that creature and the thing didn't want to be there. It wanted to be somewhere else so it could spread its like tentacles all over the rest of the world, I guess, pun intended for this episode. But I just don't see what the octopus would have to gain out of it. Like what, what is the end game for? It's like, uh, we're tired of living on the seafloor. Now we want to take over the world. I, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, because that's what the, uh, Joel McHale's character said about like, you know, if we can just modify our DNA and, you know, if we can then, you know, live in the sea as well and have dominance over both, but it's like, Oh, but they're going to flip the script and be like, Oh, we got the water and now we can come on land. Like, I don't know. Like I get that. They're trying to present like this, like, you know, Oh, your plan is you got, you got, uh, you know, heisted type of thing. I, and it, like the notion of the octopus, like purposely coming up to have a goal like that, I think is fun. Uh, the brief bits of when we, I, when you mentioned whenever um, it was like choking uh, Yannick and there was some, there was some great moments of like a close up on its eye and how it kept like squinting more like out of like, it looked like there was like a rage in the eye of this octopus. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. This is one of those ones where I feel like uh, pieces parts are great, but the episode itself isn't. Yeah, I, I I wish we could have had more time to build on the atmosphere that was already there. Yeah, and then maybe have the the octopus, uh, I don't know, learn like through the through all the other just normal activities of the lab, and then strike. Yeah. It just seemed like and, yeah, that would it be was fair. too. It was like too. It, it was like I gotta go, man. I gotta I gotta implement this plan. I don't know what it is quite yet. I'm gonna steal somebody's cell phone. And discover all the plans and I'm going to spread it to my homies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, listen, I got dinner plans. I got to get out of here. You know, this has been fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, wow. You know, like, I think this is something that it needed. It needed more time to cook. And I don't know what was keep. I don't know what I, I don't. Maybe, maybe it reads better. Like on the page. I just, it was just, there is. They again, Glenn Morgan, he's done a lot that I've liked. Um, you know, uh, these directors seem like they know what they're doing in terms of like, at least they're up and coming. And like, I've heard nothing but good things about spring. I heard the endless is a little bit like, you know, 50, 50. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I like, I'll, I'll say this too. Um, so far for the most part this season, we've been seeing a lot of, uh, newer people be given positions of like directing or writing or acting. Right. I think this is actually a really good playground that uh, Monkey's Paw Productions and Jordan Peele is actually implementing. And so if we get if we get some swings and misses like this, I'm okay with it. I don't think the directing was necessarily the problem with this episode, though. Glenn Morgan's been writing for a very long time. 
And considering he's been able to write for full length episodes of the X-Files, which run what, 45 minutes plus. Um, and he also wrote like a, the blue scorpion, uh, in season one, which is just a delight. Uh, I don't know what happened here. Like, I'm not going to blame the directors. I mean, maybe they could have, maybe they should have took a, a step back and be like, does this actually make sense? Or do you wonder, it's like, oh no, we're working on the Jordan Peele show. We're working with Glenn Morgan. We're going to, you know, we're not going to speak up too much because we trust these guys. Yeah. It, it needed to be a little bit more cohesive and the story and then how they told it. Um, and I don't think that we got that, but you know, that's okay. And honestly, like you're, like you're saying, it's nice that we're getting a different type of story out of this season. Like we're getting something with monsters or like something that, um, has to do with the uh, world domination of a, of a, a creature that that's, and that's interesting. And I'm, I'm glad that we're giving that to a different type of audience, but I will say this. If you like this story, if you want something more out of it, just go watch the thing or go watch <laughs> or go watch mimic. Mimic is another great movie that they deal in DNA and like how creatures can be affected by it and try to take over the world. I think that you will get a better story out of those two movies than you will what they tried to do with this, but it was still interesting enough. There's something to achieve out of watching this. Don't let us like sway your judgment you're you're gonna you're you're probably gonna like this whoever's listening right now you may love this episode and you know i'd love to hear your feedback on it yeah or you know or go watch the the often forgot about film leviathan <laughs> that movie's so dumb i love it but it's also underwater sea monsters that are alien mutations it has daniel stern in it so there you go um you've seen leviathan haven't you I have not. Uh, uh, I know. I know of Daniel Stern and uh, another movie that he was in. He was in Chud, and that deals with uh, <laughs> DNA changing too, so. and under underground creatures. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Was it carnivorous uh, humanoid uh, underground dwellers or something like that? Yeah, I think that's what Chud something, stands for. Something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I guess what we're saying is, if you like monsters, watch other monster movies. Uh, so yeah, that's. Uh, I really don't have, I don't really have anything in here other than like, I, I thought it was funny that two-step verification became the undoing of everybody's plans. I thought that was funny where it's like, oh, two-step verification. Like, I could get my phone. It's like, you would remember that. I think that I, I just feel like for someone for going to a research station and being constantly around technology, you know, why would you forget about two-step verification, but whatever and move the plot forward. Yeah, I, I I think that was kind of funny and how it it kind of linked. They they needed accidents to lead to other information That's, to be had. So it's like her losing her phone. It's like, oh, now Ling's got it. Now Ling knows the whole plan. It's like, oh, right, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, I, that's all I really got. Uh, so actually, there's something else I want to talk about before we get to the twist. Uh, there's actually a little bit of uh, there. There is actually one big elf in the room we didn't even talk about. Uh, so the first like six minutes of this episode in a runtime of like 31, uh, the crew, a lot of the crew sitting around watching a um, a a sea life documentary that sounds like it's narrated by Rod Serling. Um, so that was. Which, by the way, the, that sounded like Rod Serling to me, like so much. It was so like, that's not him. Um, that's another another actor, <clears throat> which we I'd written in the notes here. Uh, what's his name? It is Mark Silver. Yeah, he actually voiced uh, uh, Rod Serling in the last season of The Twilight Zone. Spoilers, you know, 
I'm not going to tell you where, but he did voice uh, did a voice as Rod Serling. He's not, he's so good. He's actually the only person that's been given the blessing by the, the Serling estate to do a Rod Serling impersonation, which my God, it's so good. Uh, but the, the, the thing that they were watching was actually an episode of the under undersea world of Jacques Cousteau that Rod Serling did actually narrate when he was alive, but they had Mark Silverman do the voice here. And I'm thinking it's just because they probably wanted the cleaner audio to do it. But I think that's kind of fun. I thought that was a nice, fun parallel to begin with. Um, I was wishing it built off of it, but that was still pretty cool. Yeah, I thought that was a, a nice homage to him. And uh, I like how that they synced up um, the shark attack scenes in that video yeah. with uh, the killing of the first crew members. Yeah, so that was cool. Uh, and also, uh, the, the name of the base is called uh, Nyby, N-Y-B-Y. That's a reference to Christian Nyby, uh, or Nibby. I, I th- yeah, I want to call him Nibby. Uh, he, uh, he did direct the original Thing from Another World. Um, so there we talk about the thing. He directed the first one. And uh, uh, Nibby also directed uh, Cavender is Coming, which is a terrible episode of The Twilight Zone, and Showdown with Rance McGrew, which is an, eh, it's an okay episode of The Twilight Zone. So there's actually some connections there. Yeah, I, uh, I again, you know, watching this episode, I felt so, so many strong vibes about the thing and the thing from another world. And then seeing that note, I was like, oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they're t- they're showing your hands so, so strongly now. It's like, yes, yeah, that's what you did. You just remade the thing, but with an octopus, basically. So, yeah. So, all right. Do you have any other notes? Because uh, we got to read the twist as we do here. No, I do not. That's it. That the octopus itself was actually the one that um, had a mission and fulfilled it. I didn't see that coming, but to be fair, a lot of this episode didn't really spell out what was going on. I'm going to give it a three just because I feel like, uh, you know, the the octopus was the one that was playing them all. Um, Didn't see it coming, but it's the Twilight Zone, so that doesn't necessarily surprise me, especially when the thing leaves the ice and goes and hides in a cooler. You know something's uh, like really shady is about to happen with that octopus. I'm going to give it a two. Um, as soon as I found out it was an octopus and then crawled its way into that cooler, I was like, okay, it's something, something strange is going to happen here. And the fact that they are already saying that they're, uh, the, the, the shelf melting is, you know, giving life to a lot of creatures that they probably hadn't seen in like 4 million years or whatever it is. This is going to be some super intelligent creature, and it's gonna it's gonna take all these guys for uh, take a take them for a ride, you know. So yeah. I got two for me. That's fair. I think you know. Now that you say that, I, I feel like I should have probably given it a two, but I, yeah. So I just I the twist the twist is not the uh, not a, a rating on the episode, but it's like I wanted to be like yeah, you know, like there's there's something here, but I, I guess I it clouded my my judgment because I I wanted the the deadly octopus episode to be better. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's going to do it for eight. Um, yeah, uh, it was, it was a thing. And, uh, so far, uh, we are five out of six of like ones we like, you know, so pretty good, still good percentage. So I'm, I'm happy about that. Um, if we compare this to season four of the original series, uh, you know, I think we would have taken that (laughs) be like five good ones and one that's, yeah, that's kind of there. That, you know, I think I would have been okay with that. 
Yeah, and this episode is still better than some of the original series. <laughs> too, so <laughs> that's that's fair. So yeah, let's go do it for this discussion about the episode eight. Uh, again, please share your thoughts, feelings. Um, you know, if you like this episode a great deal, let us know. Um, if there's other uh, you know monster movies in the water involving genetics or whatever, let us know your favorite ones of those. Uh, we have a Facebook page at Strange Highways on Facebook. Uh, you guys can email us directly at strangehighwayspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us. That'd be great. Whether it be Stitcher, Podbean, um, Google Podcasts. I, like the Google Podcast platform, and like, like that's changing. I know they're changing it somewhat. It's They're integrating things. I don't know exactly where, but if you get your podcast through Google, please, you know, rate and review us. Um, you know, wherever. Uh Please, we appreciate uh, the ratings and the interactions and the corrections. So thank you. Yeah, uh, definitely help us out on the the ratings uh, because that builds an algorithm for other people to possibly get interested into our episode and our discussions. And uh, maybe maybe somebody some far off, uh, you know, our Arctic, uh, you know, base will listen to our podcast that'd be awesome we'd love to be listened to in multiple countries i, I, I want to get like a one-star review from like an octopus that's just like listen i i was down there i stole somebody's phone i happen to hear you just you know slandering octopi can't can't do this like um when, when we rise out of the sea we're coming for you first one star <laughs> i'm waiting for that day <laughs> yeah i cannot wait like it just you know i'd be like hey how did how did terry and i fighting a pissed off octopus about a podcast all right that's a sense i never thought i'd say um but you know it's like it had it had eight knives how do you deal with it um so yeah uh next episode is called a human face i also hope it deals with an octopus that'd be amazing but probably not um, the, the only thing we have here about it is a grieving couple's move is interrupted by an otherworldly encounter. So I, I understand they leave these really vague, but it's like, man, you know, like a little bit more, it'd be nice, but that's the next episode. Um, uh, yeah, it's going to be episode seven after we just talked about an episode called eight. So please don't be confused. It is confusing. Yeah. Uh, and get ready for that episodes, ladies, uh, Christopher. Christopher Maloney's in it. So Ooh. get excited. There you go. I'm excited now. I didn't realize that. So I can't, man, that's going to be fun talking about some Christopher Maloney next week. So yeah, it's going to do it for us this week. Have a safe week. Uh, I guess if you find super intelligent, uh, sea life around, um, don't turn your back and listen to really loud. What, what was that music he was listening to? It wasn't, it wasn't ska, but it was like scroll nut zippers or something. Right. Yeah, it it was something similar to that. It was like horn music or something like that. That that sounds like something that uh, uh, he would be listening to, anyways. <laughs> yeah. So like, don't listen to that because octopuses hate that. So yeah, that's the that's it. Uh, it's, I don't know. Uh, die octopus, die. <laughs> right. Larry, can you fix the lights and keep an eye on them? I like animals, okay? Even the ones I eat, I'm cool with, yeah? But I do not want to be in a room with that motherfucker! I hear you, Larry. I do. <laughs>